This impactful conversation is brought to you by Say Things Better, a method of intentional communication developed by Lila Smith. I met Lila on LinkedIn and we immediately connected due to her open heart and wisdom. She helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders to make impactful choices for their communication. The Say Things Better messaging framework is the way she managed to build her own following of over 25,000 fans. Follow Say Things Better on LinkedIn and connect to Lila through her website at saythingsbetter.com. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast with your host, Andrada Anizzi. For today, I don't have an introduction. I'll be as honest as possible, as transparent as possible, because I just had a brief chat with my guest, and I simply don't know what to say about her. I mean, she's brilliant. She's beautiful. Uh, I just learned that she's the mother of five kids. Oh, my God, I don't want to know how she handles all of them. I only have two and it seems like the greatest burden, but I'm sure that she will talk to us about this too. Um, and just looking at her LinkedIn profile, trying to make an idea of how to introdu- introduce her, I just realized, oh my God, seriously? I don't need any kind of introduction. She is a fellow writer, and she puts out amazing content and brilliant videos And the last series that she put out there spoke from her heart, you know, so visibly that you just need to listen to her. So let me introduce to you to Karen Markle. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for being here with me today. Wow, Andrada, thank you so much. It is truly, truly my honor to be here talking with you today. And wow, talk about that introduction. Wow, lady. (laughs) Uh, well, you are you are a wow lady in my eyes, to be honest. So that's why I'm I'm really happy to have you. But let's make this easier for everyone, you know. And please, for the people who never got a chance to hear you, see your videos, read anything that you put out there, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um... I guess what I'll start with is a little bit about my professional background. So I bring to the table about 20 years worth of experience working with seniors. When I was growing up as a child, I spent a lot of time around seniors and my parents always taught my sisters and brothers and I the importance of respecting elders for the wisdom that they had. And so it just kind of became a natural thing for me to gravitate towards that end of the spectrum. And I learned a lot about life. Well, spending 20 years with seniors, you become intimately acquainted with them. And there came a time where I called them my BFFs. So my BFFs were not people my own age, but the um, kind of the challenge and difficult part to having most of your friends that are like 60, 70, 80 years old is that they end up passing away. And after a while that kind of wears on you a little bit. So I wanted to transition into working with people who were a little bit younger. About the same time, my parents 
made a huge decision to move from California where we all were living at the time. And they decided to pick up and move to Texas. We didn't have any family there. My parents are seniors. And so taking my experience working with seniors and understanding the importance of having family nearby, I made that decision to walk away from my career at that time and move my children and myself to Texas. And we've been here for about two and a half years, but I didn't know what I was gonna be doing. And so shortly after I relocated to Texas, I was able to get a job working for a senior community. Uh, long story short, which I kind of touch a little bit on in the last video series that I just completed, I ended up getting let go or being fired from that job. And in the process, I kind of lost my way. But while I was in that fog, I kind of went back to a first love of mine and that was writing. I started writing as a child and it was always my go-to kind of safety that I could just be myself and write my thoughts, no judgment and it didn't matter. And so that's kind of what I started doing. And just kind of at that time, I decided to engage in LinkedIn. And the next thing I knew, I was writing, you know, creating all of this content that I had no idea really in the beginning would have the impact on others that I've since learned. And um, so that's kind of where I ended up going, turning into a writer and also discovering my ability to mentor and coach people along the way, which is the direction that I will eventually fully be stepping into. So that's a long answer for your question, but um, that in a nutshell is who I am. There's no problem that is a long answer, you know, because you've covered everything about yourself, which is which is absolutely amazing. I didn't know about your coaching passion. Um, so would you want to dive in more into that and tell us a bit how, um, if you started coaching people, first of all, and if yes, uh, in what direction? So assuming that there may be listeners that would like to get in touch with you at some point, what should they be you know, getting in touch with you for? Sure, that's a great question, Imperata. I think uh, when I think about my coaching, and yes, I have started coaching, the thing that really speaks to my heart the loudest, I always noticed that the people who seem to gravitate towards me are usually the ones who are in the valley. They're in the pit of life. And that is very near and dear to my heart. And as I continue to reflect on this last video series that I put out talking about being in the fog and I didn't completely understand why or how the Lord had me in that season for as long as I was. I know part of it was my own fault, but there was a greater purpose to it. And it was to help me to understand more completely what it's like to be stuck in the pit and then be able to climb out of it so that I could in turn help others that were in a pit and kind of help see, show them that they still have value even while they're trying to climb their way out. So the people that I have been very blessed to work with so far, they have been, and some of them are still in the pit, 
but they're starting to shift their perspective, the way that they see themselves and recognize they still have value. That is something that is very near and dear to my heart about people in general is that we all have value, not just when we're at the top of the mountain, but even when we're in our valleys. And sometimes because our valleys are so deep and so much is going on, we lose sight of the value that we have, which sometimes keeps us stuck in that rut for that much longer. And that's kind of the role that I play when I meet and speak with clients. I help remind them of the value that they still have, that they've always had. And when they start to recognize that for themselves and they start to believe it more for themselves, they're able to start taking positive steps moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. But um, to, you know, to put a finger exactly on how your coaching is called, right? You know, that yeah. people accept better, you know, yeah. usual, um, usual names of, of um, the position, so to say. So, sure, how is it called? Sure, sure. I think, you know, in a nutshell, what most people would, the category they would easily put me in would be a life coach. You know, because I'm not just focused on the uh, the career, the professional side. I definitely can speak to that, but I think where my strength lies mostly is the individual, the whole person, mm-hmm. and uh, that really uh, centers around life. And so, life coaching. I was speaking to a mentor of mine probably last year, and I was kind of struggling with what direction I should be going going in because I was in that fog and I knew that I was a writer and I knew that I had the strengths in these other areas, but I just couldn't find that happy spot. Mm -hmm. And so they began asking me some questions about, well, what are some things that you feel like you've always been good at doing that you, you know, that maybe could be qualified or quantified as a position, a profession? And at first I said, I don't know, but then we started talking about stories about my childhood. And then I remembered, uh, as I was a child, people used to say that I always encouraged them. And as a young adult, people said, Karen, you're always such an encourager. And I also remembered that when people had problems just about life in general, they always seemed to come to me. And sometimes I would scratch my head and go, why are they coming to me? I, I don't understand it. But you know, obviously at this point in my life and being able to look at the bigger picture, I can now look back and see how I was always uh, created to go in this direction. I just needed to, as I was telling one of my sons last night, I just needed to have certain skill sets that were developed. I didn't have to utilize the skills, all of the skills at that time, because I wasn't in the position, I wasn't prepared, but through life, I have uh, gained more wisdom and experience in many different areas that help people to just kind of navigate their lives better. So again, life coaching is really probably the arena that I would do best in. Awesome. And I remember that you have on your LinkedIn profile, right? The, the encourager actually. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome to learn. And I can resonate with you because a lot of people told me the same thing, you know, that, um, for instance, I had a friend that came to me one evening and she was really down. 
But when she left, she said, oh my God, girl, you're crazy. You made, you made me laugh and I feel so much better right now. But not that I made her laugh, you know, but I also listened. And I think that here we go to another very interesting point that listening and actually active listening yes. is um, the greatest skill that a, a life coach or a coach in general needs to have, right? Yes. Yes. And so that, again, is a great point, Andrada. You know, I think about uh, the fact that I worked with seniors for over 20 years. You have to become a really good listener. Right. Spend time with seniors because they will talk your ear off <laughs> if you allow them to. But there's something important about allowing them to talk your ear off. Uh, one of the points is that it reaffirms their own value, you know, mm -hmm. in uh, our country in America, I can't speak to other countries, but I definitely can say this has been my observation in our American culture. When people start getting gray hair or white hair, they become invisible. And I know in a lot of other cultures, a lot of other countries, when people start getting gray hair, white hair, people start revering them more because they recognize the wisdom that they have. They've lived life. But in our country, it's a little bit backwards. And so I've worked with and around a lot of seniors over that 20-year period and that was very consistent that they felt like people did not want to acknowledge their presence once they walked into the room they didn't want to listen to them they just felt like they had no value so by me listening and sometimes I was really busy I had a hectic day uh, schedule but I would still take the time to listen to them while they shared and it could have been about they could have been telling me the same story that they've already told me five, 10, 20 times. But every time they told it to me, I listened to them as if it was the first time and to see their response, their reaction and how it impacted them and how it made them feel like, hey, somebody cares about me. Somebody cares about what I have to yeah. say. That is so important. And I recognize that that wasn't just important for seniors, it's important for everybody, no matter your age. I see that with the young people, my children, they bring their friends over to the house, and I've been blessed to be able to serve in a mentoring capa capacity for them, mm -hmm. and they just wanna know that people care about them and what they have to say. It doesn't mean that they know everything, but they want to still know that they have a voice. So listening, right. active listening is so important. Right, right. And speaking about, you know, you being told the same story over and, and over again, I know that there are people who say that if they read a story many times or if they hear a story many times, they, they have different takeaways each time. Yes. Was that the same for you? And was there anything in particular that, um, I don't know, stuck with you throughout your life until this day? Oh, sure. Sometimes there were people that would tell the same story multiple times and I didn't really learn anything new. Um, and that was okay. You know, my main goal was to just honor them by paying attention and mm -hmm. listening, you know, for those individuals and for everyone really in particular but yes there were indeed some people that i spoke to that would share the same stories and each time i spoke to them i would be able to pick up something a little bit different about life 
how to navigate life, how to navigate relationships. I mean, some of my, I think, most impactful lessons came from a group of seniors that I uh, worked with. Um, I was an assistant manager for a senior center for a period of time, and we had a specialized therapy class for seniors who had neurological or motor movement disorders. Most of them had Parkinson's. Most of them had Parkinson's. Um, I think one or two people came to the group, they had MS, something to that effect. But while they were coming, a lot of times they would bring their spouses who did not have this uh, disease and their spouses would stay outside of the, of the room where they were getting this therapy class. And so I would get to, I had the opportunity to speak to the spouses and we would talk about different things. And one of the things that really stuck with me so much was, and this is so key to not only um, a person who's in a relationship, but just people as a whole, mm -hmm. about what it means to love yourself and about what it means to be in a loving relationship. You know, um, I don't want to, you know, get too far off topic and, you know, talk about what love is or what love isn't. But this group, they really defined the type of love that I am seeking for myself and that is to be found with somebody who will stand by me no matter what because these individuals when they first got married many of them were married for over 40 50 years their partner did not have Parkinson's and they were able to enjoy a very full life and travel and do all these great things but then once Parkinson's came into the picture it changed what their their new normal had to change so that they could then function, um, including this disease. And many times it was very debilitating, but to see the love that was just on display at all times, even on the difficult days when they would come in and the partner that had the disease was not having a good day, to see that kind of unconditional love. And I spoke to one of the wives one time and I asked her about that specifically. And I said, you know, you and so-and-so have been married for over 40 years, and yet I look at you, and you guys sometimes come in here acting like newlyweds, but oh he God. has this disease. How did you do it? And she said, Karen, you know, it hasn't always been easy, and I, and I don't admit, at the very beginning, when he was diagnosed, I had to ask myself, can I do this? And then I just thought about how much I loved him. And I thought to myself, there's nothing that I wouldn't be able to do without this man by my side. And that touched me so deeply, Andrada. And it just was like, that's what I want. That's the kind of love I want. And to be able to love myself in a way that I know that I'll be able to attract another person that feels that same way. I mean, just very powerful. Right. Wow. Yeah, you know, when, when we learn this kind of, of stories from, from people, it's just like, it hits us, you know, when in fact, that, that kind of love should be the regular one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So right. I, I understand that you, you've, I mean, probably the work that you were doing around elders wasn't, you know, the easiest but at least you had this privilege, let's say, to learn so many life tips, right? Life hacks, yes. life advice, to get so much advice from, from elder people. 
Yes, yes, that is correct. And uh, there are times where I'm able to defer to a lot of the wisdom that they shared with me. You know, my parents, again, they taught my sisters and brothers and I that you respect seniors because they do have wisdom. And they, there's not much, my mom often says, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so she said, what goes around comes around. It's just a different flavor. It's just a different color, different variation, but it's still in essence the same thing. And you should not discount when an older person tries to impart wisdom to you because maybe, just maybe, they're trying to spare you from the heartache and grief that's waiting for you around the corner. Sometimes that is the case, but we like to think that we know what is best for ourselves, especially when we're younger, right? We think we know everything and Um, Sometimes, unfortunately, we don't heed their wisdom and we end up having to suffer some setbacks and some trauma that we could have avoided if we just embraced their wisdom. But I think that happens when you get to kind of uh, know who you are a little bit more and how you function and how you operate. I think when you're still trying to figure out who you are as a person, you um, sometimes will be guilty of just, I use the word vacillating, but it's just really uh, almost another word for flip-flopping and wishy-washy and going to whichever direction the current is, is driving you in that, at that moment because you don't fully know who you are and what it is that you're looking for. Right, right, you're right. So let me ask you something else. Um, the fact that you, uh, you were able to listen to the elders, was it just because of the imposed respect that you received, you know, as advice from the family or was there anything else that helped you, you know, to go to, to actually just stay there, observe, listen to them and observe, uh, absorb their, their wisdom? I think uh, really at the core, it wasn't just because I was taught to listen to seniors innately. I know it's, I know from personal experience what that's like to um, talk and not have people want to listen to you. Mm. I, I, I sometimes joke about the fact that I'm a, a wordy person. I talk a lot and uh, that's been something that I have grappled with my entire life, I, I, I haven't always enjoyed that part about who I am. And it's primarily because when I was a kid growing up, my uh, siblings used to give me a hard time about my answers. They would ask me a, a question where most people would just give a short, brief, one or two word answer. And I would give what they would call a thesis or a dissertation. And so, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, so that just kind of, you know, hearing those kinds of comments when I was growing up made me not want to talk. And because I was like, nobody's going to want to listen to me. So I really can appreciate when I come across somebody and I sense, I, I have this, um, this ability to discern when somebody wants to say something and they're not speaking up. So I do everything in my power to try to make them feel safe, Mm -hmm. that they will want to share without me trying to drag it out of them. 
And usually I'm pretty good at being able to do that. I think my experience with seniors helped, but definitely right. growing up, like I shared and feeling like nobody wanted to hear what I had to say, that has definitely played into me wanting to be a great listener to everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's such a pity, you know, that they didn't give you the, the necessary attention because as we see, this is how, you know, that's actually the greatest asset of um, a wonderful writer, right? The right. fact that you can explain with so many details and, you know, that's one thing that I've been pointed out to, called out about too, because I, so many people told me that you give so many details and I was like, so what, you know? So yeah, indeed for many years, I had the same, you know, a similar complex to yours that I would just rather not answer instead of just putting out there everything that I had. Yeah. But then after I started writing, I realized, so what, you know, yeah. the more details I give, the better the, uh, the writing piece. And the better the people can go into the atmosphere, can enter, you know, the skin of the character, for instance, or, you know, they can visualize a room or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's such a pity that some people are not able to value this unique, you know, traits or set of skills or something. But that takes us to, to, let's say, to our next topic about writing, which is definitely something mutual. And yeah. um, I want you to tell us exactly, I'm, I mean, you mentioned a bit, but I want you to tell us exactly how you started and how did writing help you? Well, like I mentioned, uh, as a kid, writing was an area that uh, allowed me to escape. So I did journal writing at a very young age. I think kids used to call it diaries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, and I remember it was always great fun for me. Uh, I could even reflect back to having a class in high school that it was um, creative writing class and I excelled in that mm. class because you know the teacher would give one a prompt and I would just take off and go and I would see my fellow classmates would be struggling to you know write a sentence or a paragraph and when the teacher said okay put your pencils down I had like half a book written I just oh, loved it <laughs> it was my way to be free and you know and express my childhood um was not the most pleasant and i think that that was part of why i was able to enjoy that so much so you know then we fast forward to um over the last probably 15 years that's when i really started kind of um writing poetry i've always continued journaling all throughout my life but i started writing poetry maybe about 15 years ago and it was just by fluke. I was sitting at my, my um, laptop and I was going to write some type of, I was going to actually write in my journal. And I just felt like on that day, I didn't want to do that. I just knew I wanted to write, but I didn't know what. And so I just, all of a sudden this title popped into my mind and I wrote it down on the computer. And then the next thing I knew within five minutes, I had this poem and I was like, Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. And then from there, I just kind of started writing poetry. 
and um, not yet getting into uh, LinkedIn, my writing of content for LinkedIn really came about after I got fired. Mm -hmm. I've been on LinkedIn for over 10 years, but I never engaged. Wow. I was just very silent. I was the fly, the proverbial fly on the wall. And part of the reason why I didn't engage was, as I already mentioned, that complex I had about mm -hmm. people don't want to hear what I have to say. And um, so when I got fired and I was sitting there and I was just having a conversation with God one day and he said, just trust the process and just engage. I decided I was going to treat my comment, the commenting to someone's post, I was going to treat it like we were having a conversation where we were sitting across the table from one another. Right. And I actually had this conversation with someone the other day. I said, here we are, we're in face to face. We're sitting across the table from one another. And uh, what I just say, thanks for sharing. And then that's all we say the whole time while we're sitting at the table. So that'd be pretty awkward, right? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, that's how I view my engagement on LinkedIn. When I engage with someone's post, I think about what would I tell them if they were sitting across the table from me. And I, so I am guilty like you of writing very lengthy uh, comments, but it's great because we do get to bring some additional details to the, to the table that sometimes people miss because they're so quick and short. But then, so I started doing it that way. And then I was trying to get a job. I was trying to get another job. And I actually applied for one as a writer because I started writing professional resumes. And I thought, well, I can translate this into writing content. And I'll never forget, I applied for this job as a freelance writer, and they basically said, well, Karen, you're a great writer, but yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And that just totally ticked me off. I was like, how dare they tell me I'm not a good fit? I'll show them. And that is what started me writing the first post, and it also started me writing articles. I don't, I don't have that many articles yet on LinkedIn, but that's was, that was the, um, the proverbial match that started me writing content for myself on LinkedIn. And at that point I made a decision. I did not care what people said about me. I was like, this is Karen. This is how I'm going to operate. This is what I have to say. The people that are going to get something from it, who want to read it, they will. I have no control over anyone else. And I'm just not going to worry about it. So I wrote, I uploaded posts, and I walked away from it. And I'm still shocked, even today, <laughs> at the comments that people <laughs> make about my writing. Because I'm like, it's just little old me. I'm just, you know, I just have a few words to say. And they're like, no, you're a little bit more than that, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. And I totally hear you on that. Because you see... It seems like you and I are similar on so many levels, you know, we're alike on so many levels, um, especially on the level where for us is natural, right? Both for you and I, it just comes natural. So we cannot see the gold in it. We, you know, there's people coming to us and telling us what golden content we actually put out there, but it's hard to believe, right? right. Because... Right. Again, you're on the inside and for you it just comes and for the others it just seems like shocking.
We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey, of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it's pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So, just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora, who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. I have one question because in the last uh, in the last week, I think um, I've been kind of advising one of my friends from he's from Africa, but he's he's got hard times writing. So he says that for him, writing is kind of creating a pressure. And I said that's not good. Writing should release the pressure, should not create the pressure. Mm-hmm. But I challenged him, you know, to try to write at least a, f- a few sentences each day, you know, uh, but only when he feels like writing. Yeah. So that was my part. But now here you come into the picture because I want if my friend and I know that at some point he will listen to this. If my friend listens to this, what would be your advice in order to make his burden in quotes? easier in regards to to writing again both of us are gifted writers right we need to admit it yeah but there's people who want to get there and they put us on a pedestal you mm-hmm. know uh but it's really hard for them to get there so your advice to them would be yes i like that you first of all told him to just even if it's five minutes a day to write but most importantly what I really love is that you said, write when you want to write. Yeah. For me, that is key. That is uh, probably the number one gold star rule of writing. And writing, great writing, in my opinion, comes when it's not forced. It comes authentically. And as a person who is a wordsmith, I actually don't like to use the word authentic because these days we see that word thrown all over the place, but it is still true. You get the best, the purest, the most straight from the heart content 
when you are inspired to write. And for some people, such as myself, I will go through phases where there could be weeks, there could be days, weeks, could be months even where I don't want to write. So I don't write. And I learned over time to give myself permission yeah. to be okay with not writing. Because see, when you're not okay with not writing and you feel like you have to write, you have that, that pressure. And I know from writing under pressure to writing freely, I can clearly see the difference in the message that I put together. Yeah. I see the difference in the whole process. Uh, when I write, when I'm inspired, it just comes it, so quickly, so easily. And in no amount of time, I can sit down. I could probably whip out a couple of pages in a few minutes easily when it's inspired. When it's pressure sensitive, time sensitive, and I, my heart's not really in it, it will take me hours or days or weeks to come up with even a couple of paragraphs, let alone the first sentence. And I want to pull my hair out. And that's when I start to see myself going in that direction. I say, okay, I need to step back, put this down, walk away for a while. So for your friend who wants to write, go ahead, I, I encourage him to definitely follow your advice about trying to spend maybe five minutes, but uh, maybe something that can help him in terms of when you're inspired. I tell people, think about what brings you a lot of happiness and joy. Mm. When you think about what brings you a lot of happiness and joy, and somebody were to ask you, now describe that to me, you can easily write that down in a, uh, you know, in a couple of sentences. Yeah. And what that's doing is doing a couple of things. One, you're starting the process of writing. And because you're thinking about something that you enjoy, it, you're going to be inspired to write pure, wonderful content mm -hmm. that is coming from your heart. And it doesn't matter if you are writing for five minutes or if you're writing for half an hour, but if it's something that you are deeply, deeply passionate about, a hobby that you've been following for a long time, I can guarantee you once you start sitting down and writing about this hobby and you allow yourself to get immersed in the joy and the pleasure that it brings you, you will be shocked at how much you will have written if you just allow yourself to just write. That is a great way for somebody to kind of get into discovering how do I write and also recognizing it's not about comparison. Yes, there are definitely yes. gifted yes. writers. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> there are definitely gifted writers in the world. I will not deny that there are, but everybody can still write. And you have to remember, my mom says, stay in your lane, okay? You might not have been blessed to be the most prolific writer, but that does not take away the value of what you bring to the table when you write. Your writing, in my eyes, will be as equally important as anything that I write. It, it has the same weight. It's just that I happen to know how to write in a different way. Yeah. That's me and how I express myself. I'm not you, so you're going to express yourself in a different way. And there is an audience. Somebody will appreciate what you have to say. So stop the comparison. That's, it's vital in order to be successful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this because you're actually coming to re reinforce another thing that I told him, you know, because um, there's this thing 
okay let me tell you what is what i told him and then i'm gonna come back to the story so i told him to never compare himself with anyone just to himself you know to actually assess himself and mm -hmm. maybe put some kind of um i don't know goal for his his own self right right um, but you know that there's this kind of people that if they don't get likes or you know they don't get noticed on social media they will just give up yes and i was giving this example to this friend of mine that my first post and i think that for a few months so i was posting daily but for a few months in a row my post got zero no engagement mm -hmm. anyone no one you know and he was like, wow, you are so consistent. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, at some point I said, why not? You know, right. if they're not reading and that's actually has become my life principle, um, who doesn't like my writing is not my audience. So just right. exactly as you said, that there's an audience for everyone. Yes. You know, so yes. thank you again for reinforcing all this because it's, it's important for people to understand that comparing themselves to, especially to the gifted ones, that's yes. the worst comparison ever. And yes. I've done that. I'm guilty of that too. So I feel, I know exactly how it feels. Yes. I'm raising my hand to that too. Andrada. I am <laughs> uh, guilty of that. And, um, you know, it's a, to me, it is a daily lesson that you have to remind yourself every day that you wake up to be the best you that you can be and not to compare yourself to another person. And I know people say it and sometimes it's easier said than done, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, that will be one of the keys to people finding their happy spot when they can stop looking at everyone else and just focus on what they're good at. Right. Because in the end, at the end, by the end of the day, we remain with ourselves, right? Yes. We're going to bed with ourselves. We're going yes. to, you know, we're, we're, we need to talk to ourselves. We need to understand ourselves. So, by the way, can I ask you, um, do you have often talks to yourself? And how do you keep yourself positive? <laughs> oh my gosh were you were you like a fly on the wall in my house yesterday oh my god <laughs> no <laughs> uh, do not... I have frequent talks to myself oh my gosh there are some days where I have to check myself before I wreck myself because I uh yes I have frequent talks to myself and no I'm not crazy um and I don't know and I'm not trying to disparage anybody that you know, in the mental health community, I need to be very clear on this. It's perfectly normal to have a conversation with yourself. It's, yeah, that's, sorry. it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly healthy. I think the area where you need to seek help is when you start uh, talking about things that are going to bring harm to yourself or another individual. Those are red flags that you need to probably go. I'm sure there's other things involved with that. I'm not a mental health expert but i just wanted to put that out there because yes i do have conversations with myself and when i find myself like really struggling with something i have to 
stop when I recognize in the moment that I'm struggling with some type of comparison or, you know, I'm feeling badly because something didn't turn out the way that I had hoped. I stop myself and then I sometimes will have the internal dialogue going on, but sometimes I'm actually talking to myself out loud. And I like to think of it as me having a conversation with God, you know, because I will think about what God has told me about myself, the things that he has shared with me. And then I have to remind myself, Karen, this is how you were created. You were created to do this. This is where you're great at. And it is a conscious mindfulness activity that we have to come to, to be able to help talk our own selves out of the negative talk that right. goes on every day. In fact, I tell people, especially the ones that I work with, coach and mentor, I tell them the best thing that you can do for yourself in terms of how do you overcome negative thoughts is don't allow that thought to play all the way out in your head. As soon as you know that the thought is going down a negative path, cut it off. Just shut it down. Don't even let it finish all the way out. Because what you're doing by allowing it to carry all the way out is you're beginning to give it life, which means you will eventually start meditating on that and you'll be thinking about it over and over again. And eventually it will affect your behaviors, the words that you speak out of your mouth, how you interact with others. So it's important that you be able to recognize when you're starting to have these negative thoughts that you just shut them down from the get-go and replace it with something positive. Even if you can only think of one positive thing about yourself, let that be the positive thing that you focus on. You know, last year I did a, a series on um, recognizing your value and I gave an exercise and I told people that they should, you know, make a list of yeah. five things or 10 things. And I know there are people out there right now who are listening, who are struggling to come up with five positive things about themselves. So I tell people that I work with, then come up with one. Surely you can think of one good thing. And if you can't, and I'm working with you directly, I will help you. And I will tell you at least one, but I can assure you, I'll tell you more than one great thing about yourself. Write it down on a piece of paper, put it someplace where you can see it all the time and say it out loud. There's something about the brain and how it's wired when we say things out loud, how we can easily retrain some of those negative thoughts and turn them into positive thoughts, mm -hmm. positive affirmations about ourselves. And again, I don't want to try to act like I'm this, you know, be all know it all, but I have seen this in action. I've seen people write these positive things down about themselves and say them over and over again. And I've seen people transform from walking around with this heaviness of heart because they felt like, you know, they felt like garbage. They felt like nobody cared about them. They felt like they had no value. And when they started this exercise, being able to now walk around with their head upright and even with a smile. And when you ask them, why are you smiling? And they just say one thing, because I'm good at it, and whatever it is. And they have this beautiful, pure smile that you just makes you feel so good. You want to give them a hug. So, you know, we've just got to really work on the way that we um, see ourselves. And if there's no one around to help remind you of how great you are, you remind yourself. Mm. That's, that's strong advice, Karen. Yeah. 
remind yourself that's that's one thing that many people including myself forget to do at least every once in a while you know mm-hmm. um because many times people around us may consider that they don't need to tell us because we may already know yeah. but in the end they don't know that it's that that's not true and that we probably need to hear it. So yeah, I think that's, that's one, one great valuable advice to encourage our own selves. But let me ask you uh, in regards to encouragement and going out, I mean, climbing up from, from dark periods of time. I know that I've seen the series of the videos, but for the people that haven't seen it, how did you manage to climb up from that very dark period of time um, by, you know, and getting where you are today? What, is, what, what would be one thing that people should take away from all your experience and the best thing that you could advise them to do if they are in that kind of situation? Well, I think anyone that knows me first and foremost knows that I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I say that to start off with because that is how I start my day, how I end my day. God first. And that is exactly how I was able to climb out of that pit. For me, mm-hmm. it was my relationship with God. And it wasn't easy. It took way longer than I would have liked. But he surrounded me constantly with bringing in key people that were speaking positive things into my life at various points along the way that as I was getting to that part in my journey, I needed to hear what it was that they had to say. And sometimes it wasn't anything that I didn't already know, as you just mentioned, but I still needed to hear it again. And as I heard it, I was able to kind of rise up a little bit more. I still was in that struggle for a long period of time. Like I said, it was about 22 months. But again, as I got to the next level where I was climbing up just a little bit more, God would send somebody else in and they would say something different that was key to helping me to make that next step. And so I would listen to them and I would think about it and I write it down and I go, okay. And then it would give me the strength to then move on to the next point. Somebody asked me, how did I get my breakthrough? Because I am very specific and very clear that I got my breakthrough on January 1st. And they asked me to describe it into words physiologically. And I said, I can't. I cannot tell you exactly what happened other than that was the day that the Lord allowed me to come out from underneath that fog that I had been in. And I knew the moment I opened my eyes, on January 1st of this year, I distinctively and instinctively knew there was something different about me. And there was so much joy in my heart. I can't even find the words to clearly define that. It just, I just felt on top of the world. And so for people that are struggling, the first thing I would say is, you know, I will always be a person that promotes Christianity, but I recognize that there are people out there that practice and follow other faiths. Mm -hmm. So I guess where I'm going with this is I would say you need to have some type of faith system in place. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, at the end of the day, you have to have some type of faith system in place. Me, it's God. 
there's no question about that. And anybody that wants to talk to me at some point about it, I'm happy to do so. But it's key to having something like that in your life because when you don't know where else to turn, that's where you turn. That's where you get your strength from. That's what's going to carry you while you're in the valley. That's where you're going to get your peace from. That's what's going to bring all of these tools and highlight the areas of your strength that you sometimes can't see. It's going to help bring people into your life that are going to carry you to the next stage of your journey, just like they did for me. And when I believe it's called a date with destiny, that's what I call it. God has divine purpose with everything that he does and his timing is impeccable. And I talked about that in the series, everything that he does, when he gives somebody a breakthrough, it is with divine purpose behind that. And he allows you to, as I call it, level up. What does level up mean? Level up means that you are now prepared to step into the new role that God is calling you for because you've been through the trenches. You've, in that waiting period, you've been prepared. You've dealt with certain things. Other skill sets have been developed. And you can now do the job that you were called to do um, because you're, you're prepared, you know, mm -hmm. and you're able to level up. Whereas before you went through that period, and this was something I had to learn for myself, um, although every attribute, every skill, ability that we will ever need, we all have them in our lives, they're not all developed at the same time. You have to go through life, and life situations will bring them out at different points. And when we get advanced to a new level in our life, it's because those skills are now developed enough that we're prepared to do what we're called to do. And that's what I have seen for myself and why I am going in the direction that I'm going in. Because now I have a lot of tools that I didn't even realize I had in my toolkit that I can use at any given time and will allow me to be successful. It'll allow me to speak into another person's life. It'll allow me to encourage another person, something I've been doing my whole life but I can do it in a more unique way now because of what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I have a question that may be a bit controversial, but since I see that you believe in God and you are, you know, um, driven by his will, yeah. my, my next question is related to the power of choice so considering the fact that god is the one that drives all our um, our steps right right uh, during our life how do you see the power of choice where do you see it standing in in your own destiny for instance i believe wholeheartedly from the time that i wake up open my eyes, I have a choice on what I'm going to do throughout the day. It's, right. it's, it's very simple to me. I can choose to do what I feel the Lord wants me to do, or I can choose to do whatever Karen wants to do. And those are two, sometimes those are two different things. A lot of times they're the same, but sometimes they're different. Sometimes Karen doesn't want to go and talk to a person that the Lord has put on my heart, but he wants me to talk to that person because they're having a rough day and they need some encouragement. But Karen is like, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do it. 
there are choices and then there are consequences. And not to say that if you don't do things God's way, that your life is going to be all bad because we can look around at a bunch of people and see people who have verbally stated that they don't either believe in God or they don't want to follow God and they are living what people perceive as a good life. Um, he is a God of free will. And I love that about him because he gives us the right to choose. You can follow me or not. There have been people who have asked me, Karen, what if you get to the end of your life and you find out there is no God? What, you know, what are you going to say? Because you've chosen to live your life in a very specific manner. Mm -hmm. And I would say I would still make the same choices all over again. I would rather live my life with the understanding and the belief that God is real than not because I've still lived a blessed life. Mm -hmm. I haven't lost from where I sit. My perspective is I still win. So choice, again, we all have the choice from the moment we wake our eyes, what we're going to do. Are we going to do what we want to do? If you are a person who follows, um, you know, God or whatever your faith is, are you going to do what that particular faith says you should do? Or are you going to do what you personally want to do? And sometimes they will be the same and other times they will not. But knowing that you still have choice and in knowing that you have choice, I, I really feel I have to stress this part. The thing about choice is you have to be fully comfortable with accepting the consequences to whatever the choices that you make. There it is. That is not saying that you are right or wrong. It's not saying that you're good or bad. It's just saying whatever choice you choose, you must be willing to face whatever consequences are lying on the other side of that because you cannot get to the other side and then blame people for the way that your life has turned out when no one forced your hand to make the choices that you did. And I think sometimes people forget that, you know, they like to blame people and say, well, it's your fault that I didn't get the raise. It's mm -hmm. your fault that I got fired. It's your fault that they overlooked me. It's your fault. I'm not in a relationship and on and on and on when really you have to take a step back and go, well, what were my choices and which one did I choose? This was the consequence for that choice and being okay with it, no matter how it turns out. True. You're totally true about this, but you know that there's people that um, have never been told that they actually have a choice. So they're not aware, you know, mm -hmm. because at some point society tries to kind of control the population in such a way so that we don't believe that we have a choice. Yes. We don't even think about the fact that we might have a choice. Yes. You know? So yeah, your advice about, you know, thinking about our own choices and just talk to ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, yes. That would be, that would be a great direction. And at some point, I noticed some um, nuance of, of diversity in one of your answers. So I would like to ask you, what's, what's your standpoint about, about diversity? In regards to, you know, cultural diversity and, you know, accepting differences between people. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that you asked me. So my, um, I'm divorced, first of all. And my ex-husband is white. So 
our children are biracial. And I mentioned this because it does play into diversity. I was raised right. in a household where we did not see color, despite the fact that we primarily grew up in all, you know, white or Caucasian areas my whole entire um, life growing up. But my parents didn't raise us to see color. And so they weren't really surprised that I ended up marrying somebody that was not African-American. And so I understood very clearly once we started a family that race was always going to be an issue because of me and the color of my skin and the fact that I live in America. That's unfortunate, but that was the way that it was. And I made a decision that I was still going to raise my children to not see color and to be accepting because part of um, being a Christian is about showing the love of Jesus. And showing the love of Jesus is not about passing judgment. It's about accepting people as they are, right? right. So right. Uh, you don't have to believe the way that I do just because you don't share my faith, just because you're um, not my uh, race or my ethnicity, my gender. That does not mean that I can't respect you. It doesn't mean I can't love you or like you. What that means is as long as you are respectful to me, I will be respectful to you always. I will respect your right to disagree with me even. I think that's where the beauty of diversity comes into the picture when we can acknowledge that we don't necessarily share the same backgrounds, but we are open to learning mm -hmm. and seeing and discovering how we can coexist and, and come together. Because I think that oftentimes people forget about the respect part and they immediately right. go to this area of, oh, well, I'm just right. My way is right. You know, you, it's my way or the highway. You know, you, you can't tell me how I'm supposed to live my life, but I can tell you, you know, I see a lot of that going on where yeah. there are some, you know, where diversity is an issue. One side wants to uh, tell the other side they can't tell them what to do, but at the same token, they're telling them what to do. So just being yeah. open. And that's the way I was raised. That's the way I raised my children. That's the way that I practice business. That's the way that I live my every day. It is about just accepting people as they are, as they present themselves to be. I don't try to, um, I, I try very hard not to um, push my own ideology on other people because I recognize especially with Christianity, it is like a lightning rod, especially in our country, in America, it is truly a lightning rod. And that is not my goal to um, incite people. But if people have questions about my faith or about the way that I am living my life, I am an open book for the right people. <laughs> right. Because, uh, you know, I, I tend, to, I come from being a private person and here in the last couple of years, the Lord has kind of taken me to a place where I've had to become more open. Mm -hmm. And um, and I see some really great things come out of that when I start sharing more about who I am and my background and what I've been through and the support. Oh my gosh, Entrada, like mm -hmm. even from people like you, it <laughs> is so uplifting and encouraging and it just reaffirming of what I already know. And it just leaves me feeling so full of love. And I appreciate that more than you can possibly know. 
I'm really happy to learn that. I mean, openness is always a good thing. Seriously. I mean, I've witnessed that on my own skin too. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, great, great advice. Um, if you were to, to leave the listeners, no, before that, I want to ask you if, as I asked you in the beginning, for the people that want to reach you and yeah. to get in touch with you for coaching or for writing services too? Yes. Okay. So where should they be able to reach out to you? Right now, primarily through LinkedIn or through my personal email mm -hmm. uh, address, which, you know, I, I don't know if it's okay for me to give that out loud or not, but yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in in the uh, show notes anyway. But it's okay. on your LinkedIn profile, right? It is. On, yes, it is on my LinkedIn profile. I have several people that are nipping at my heels, telling me, "Karen, where is your website? <laughs> you need to put together a website." And uh, I I feel almost like I'm a senior because I've been averse to social media and wanting to come online, but I recognize the power that social media has in being able to open doors. And right. so that is on my agenda to get a website put together. And um, at some point in the future, they, there will be other options. For now, it's LinkedIn primarily. They can get a hold of me. And again, my personal email is on there. Um, and, um, you know, the people that want to work with me, um, not just individuals, but even companies that you know, see a need for me to come in and maybe speak to their group because I'm also getting into public speaking. I'm open to uh, exploring that as well. Um, you know, my main goal, like my profile says, is that I want to be able to help a person or an organization re-establish or, or um, basically help them to recognize the value that they've always had. Because, you know, companies sometimes lose sight of the value that they bring when they are bombarded with a lot of negative press. Yeah. And you're consistently getting negative press, you know, from customers and just the media as a whole, it can cause a shift in the direction of the organization that ultimately is not good for consumers. Right. And that's right. because they've lost their, they've lost their way. They forgot what value they brought to the table. Mm -hmm. And so I have a passion for working, wanting to work with companies to help them when they're, they're in that situation, help them reestablish. This is where your value principle comes from. Let's focus back on that. And then when they do that, they're able to go back to not only winning some positive media coverage, but also winning over new customers and clients. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely open to that. Awesome. Awesome. So I would like to thank you very much for being with me today, Kiran. Yes. It's been a great pleasure to have you. And I know that we could be going on and on, but I need to run to pick up my kids. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, um, but still, I want to leave the listeners with your last insight, which would be, um, I mean, what would be your greatest message for the audience from you to them um i have something that i just came up with it's very short very simple and forgive me if anybody else has this saying out there but it goes a little something like this 
awesome looks best on you when you bring your best self to the table. Wow, say awesome. that again. Awesome looks best on you when you bring your best self to the table. So in that statement, I am telling people that they don't need to compare themselves with anyone else. Just focus on being who they are, recognize your value, and you will be awesome all by yourself. That's brilliant. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. You're a wonderful lady, and I'm really grateful that you accepted to be my guest. Oh, and I'm so, so humbled, honored. Thank you, my friend, so much for inviting me today. It's a pleasure. Have you heard of Arian? If not, you may want to head to Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon and The Gasquette. That's my book. <laughs> I know that you will fall in love with the main character and with the person that pops up on the way in order to help him unveil that adventure which is called self-development. So let me know what you think. Thanks. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget, smile at life, and life will smile right back at you.